Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Inspire to Fire podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm your host, and on today's episode, we have Jay Money from BudgetsAreSexy.com, as well as from JMoney.biz. Jay Money has been blogging for 12 years now, and I'm excited to have him on the show. He has been just a model of consistency. He's won 12 industry awards, including Blog of the Year and Lifetime Achievement. He's also been named the top influencer in the personal finance and wealth space, and he's constantly in the media in places like Forbes, uh, New York Times, LA Times, and Business Insider. So he's done so much for the community, and he's such a great guy as well. So I wanted to get him on the show and have him talk about what it's like to start your own blog in 2020, and is it still possible? We're also going to be getting into the importance of net worth and how he tracks his net worth, uh, including what he does with his blogs, for example, Um, How do you value a blog? And lastly, we're going to get into some of the exciting things that he's working on. He's got some great projects coming up. He's been buying or helping people buy and sell over 100 financial blogs. uh, And he sold his blog as well, uh, Budgets Are Sexy, which he's going to be talking about in in the episode. So that's why I'm excited to share this story with you guys. And without further ado, Jay Money, welcome to the show. How you doing? Yeah, dude, doing good. Trying to stay sane with all these kids running around the house. But other than that, looking good, my man. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. So um, I wanted to get you on the show. I'm super excited to have you. I mean, you're such an interesting character and you've been around the personal finance area or industry for such a a while. Don't want to, not in a bad way, but you've been a model of consistency. So can you tell us about your story and kind of get, you know, us more familiar with you? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of um, stumbled across this stuff. I didn't really even know what blogs were. And I didn't really, I never cared a lot about money. I was kind of like even Steven, like I earned money, I spent money, you know, it's kind of middle of the road. Um, But about 12, man, over 12 years now, uh, my fiance and I at the time were looking to rent a, um, a, like one bedroom apartment. Uh, Took a wrong turn down a street and ended up with a whole bunch of houses for sale. um, That was kind of close to water. And just on a whim, we said, oh, let's just call one of these, you know, realtor, one of them for sale, you know, the realtor sign thing. Um, and we called and 48 hours later, we ended up buying, you know, a two level house for $350,000, no money down, no, 
no budget. Oh, um, wow. You know, I kind of, all my friends were getting married and, and getting homes. And so I was like, well, I think that's the next step, you know. I was just kind of just going with the flow. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, I woke up a couple of days after that thinking I better pay attention to my money. Um, mm-hmm. So I did. So I started Googling like how to budget and all this stuff. And I kept coming across all these interesting stories of people like sharing, like, here's my net worth. Here's my savings, my debt. And I'd never seen real life numbers in my life ever. And mm-hmm. about at that point, I think I was like 27. Um, and so it was just so fascinating to me. And I started reading blogs and consuming them because I, I, with, you know, individual people I relate to companies and businesses and organizations I don't as often um and after reading I was like oh I could share my story of you know money and I would just get on you know blogging and I would curse I I wouldn't spell check I was just like whatever I'm just gonna have fun with this thing yeah um and (laughs) here we are 12 years later as a career um I just sold the blog so I, I blogged you know consistently like you mentioned for 12 years I never missed one scheduled date in 12 years which is probably the reason i lasted that long for sure i changed the schedule around but i never missed a day that i said i was going to post um and i think that's important for you know anything you do really um Mm -hmm. yeah that's how i got started and yeah i want to get into that a lot more about how you sold it and kind of how you built it up of course but so what ended up happening with that house because that's uh that's (laughs) a crazy story i mean 48 hours that's, that's yeah. all. And in 2007, right before, I guess, everything went down. Yeah, everything has started to crash. And then it kind of went up for a month or two. Um, mm-hmm. And then we bought and then it just like plummeted. <laughs> so like a crappy timing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we ended up like, fortunately, we both had jobs so we could afford it. Um, but it really like shocked me to like, wow, like this is like a not, you know, this is kind of like, like I was tied to it. Like it was more permanent. And growing up, I was in a military family. So I was used to moving every year, two years. I think mm-hmm. I've moved, I'm 40 now, and I've moved over like 28, 29 different times. Um, so as you can imagine, like being stuck in one place, which I should have thought about before buying, like I just didn't, it was such a whirlwind. Um, but we did, we stayed there. I can't remember how long, seven or eight years. We stayed there, we had a kid, um, we decided to move away, and then we became accidental landlords. We rented it out for a couple of years. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't even like owning real estate. I became a minimalist. I don't like um, managing the hassle. So we ended up selling it and I had to pay. So after all that, I had to pay on top just to get rid of the thing. <laughs> oh man. You know, but that does kind of show that you can unfortunately make a decision that, that it doesn't go down as a good financial decision in, in the end, because you said you had to pay, yeah. um, but you, you know, you've obviously done well for yourself and I'm not sure if you're quite at financial independence yet, but you're well on your way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, having kids and um, enjoy, like, I don't, I I don't skim, like I'm frugal, but not like hardcore frugal. Um, You know, so I definitely, you know, our expenses every month are high enough where I still have to work and, you know, bring income in. Um, But yeah, we're getting closer. I passed the million dollar mark, which is a, you know, big goal of me when I started the blog last year. Nice. Um, That was super kind of cool. And uh, yeah, and really it's just life and learning. I mean, I've learned, I've learned at the end of the 12 years, basically that the whole point of money is to craft like a lifestyle, right? Like everyone, when I first started, I just want to be a millionaire. I just want millions, right? But the real question is like, what would you do if you got there? Like, what's the point of it all? You know, or else you're just like wanting more and more and more and more. Um, and for me, it was like the perfect lifestyle, like wake up, spend a couple hours working on something I enjoy, a blog, passion project, 
you know, get outside for a few hours, maybe work another hour, hang out with kids, like, like low key, you know, the dream of just doing what I want to do when I wake up in the morning. Right. Like that, that is my, like, like what my, my guiding light. Um, of course you need money to get to that point. Um, you know, but that's what I kind of, instead of before it was like, everyone make money, make money, hustle, hustle, don't sleep. Right. I'm like, Oh shit. Like you go through a lot of life, you know, speeding up, you don't actually enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I'm 40 now, right. I'm now I'm an old man. So now I'm like, learning. (laughs) like I have to, you know, part, you know, send out all these tips to everyone to you, to you young, young people. (laughs) Well, and that's what this is all about. I want to inspire my audience to, you know, inspire them for towards financial independence. And Mm -hmm. I think you brought up a really great point. I mean, there is this side hustle mentality or or culture of like, uh, sleep when you're dead, or, or, you know, just grind it out and keep working for something bigger and better. And sometimes you don't know how to draw that line of where enough is enough. Um, How, how did you deal with that? Because you, you were a side hustler yourself, you said, right? Yeah. So I think, um, I think you go in seasons and I think if you can, and it's hard because most people think long-term, but if you could think of like, like six month spurts or yearly spurts where you do something, if you're going to go hardcore for a chunk and then take a break or, or go hardcore until you hit a goal and then make sure you create a new goal that makes sense in your life. Cause everything keeps changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's what I've kind of done. I go in, in spurts and then I kind of take a break or take a sabbatical if I, if I can. Um, but, but really the kind of the impetus for me to start back in the day. So like when, when I, I started blogging um, and I had a full-time job and then I didn't know you could really make money blogging. And then after, you know, six or seven months, I started making like, Oh, $50 a month. Oh, 200. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm getting paid to do something for fun. You know, like this isn't yeah. a real job. Um, <laughs> and then I ended up like long story. I ended up like some of my blogger friends were like, Oh, I'm going to sell my blog you want to buy it? And I'm like, you can't sell a blog. It's like a blog. It's someone's thoughts. You can't like buy and sell that. He's like, but it makes money. It's a business. And I was like, wow. So that was like a turning point where I realized like, oh, that's true. If it makes money, it's a business. Can you buy and sell blogs? So I got into that stuff. At any rate, after a couple of years, my wife looked at me and was like, you are working like nonstop. Like you have to choose one route, like nine to five or your blog stuff. And I was like, well, there's no way in hell I'm going to give up the blog stuff because it was exciting and it kept taking off. And the job was just a job, you know. Um, fortunately for me, I got fired before I could even put in my notice. Um, so I automatically became a full-time blogger. Um, so that was the, the beginning where I realized that, like, you have to prioritize time. Um, but I fell back into hustling for a couple of years until I had my first kid. I have three of them now, um, eight, set, six, and four two oh man um all all boys or all boys yeah you you got your hands full for sure there (laughs) yeah um but having each of them kind of slowed me down again you know Mm -hmm. i was like okay what's the point and really it wasn't until about two years ago when i found out that i was gonna have my third kid i was like i don't want to work and miss out on some of this early stuff um and so i it gave me like nine months to kind of figure out the game plan and that's when i really started thinking okay can i sell some more of my projects you know like what does my ideal lifestyle look like and mm-hmm. it was working you know half days during the week no more working nights and no more working weekends um and so i think i'm on i think i'm almost three years of not opening up my laptop for work on the weekends 
nice, um, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, and amazingly, like you still get your work done because now you have to get it done Monday through Friday. And on Friday, when you're like, oh, I'll just do it over the weekend, you don't have that luxury, so you just get it done. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I've, so, you know. I've heard of something like that. It's like some principle that I can't uh, look up or, or think of right now, but it's like the yeah. more time you dedicate to something, that's how long it'll take. And if you shorten that time, you'll get it done yes. within that time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes. So similar to the baby coming out in nine months, I had nine months to kind of figure it out. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the not working nights and weekends has helped, you know, and I, and it's funny because when I stopped working on the weekends, like I would like start, I'd pick up a book, like when my kids are napping, like a physical book and I'd read and then I like fall asleep by accident. And I'm like, Oh my God, I took a nap. You know, like when was the last time you took a nap as an adult? It's, yeah, it's crazy. it's crazy. Yeah, what kind of side hustler does that, right? <laughs> yeah, I know you. I feel lazy, right? At first, I was lazy. Then I enjoyed it. But then what happened too is like I hustled so hard during the week, right? That like on the weekend I'm just like tired and I I just like I'm done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when Monday comes back, I'm so like actually excited to jump back in because it's new. And when you work every single day, it, nothing's new. It's just like you're, you're on like a forever circle. Do you True. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. Psychologically, it, it changes you. Um, but yeah, having kids definitely helped me. Um, and then really, you know, reading books on min- minimalism and that kind of stuff has kind of taught me to focus more and, and really stop doing all the stupid stuff I was doing, like the busy work and focus more on you know, what's more important. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's super important that work life balance that you're talking about and just like seeing what you value and just focusing most on that. Um, Yeah, yeah, you know, go ahead. I was gonna say and life changes too. So like when I was in hustle mode, I didn't have kids and I was just like, excited and I was learning, Mm -hmm. you know, and then so I'm very happy that I did that because with kids now I could never get back into that mode, you know, and so I think different stages, it's okay to allow yourself to be hardcore one way or the other, knowing that like, it's going to change in six months to a year, probably, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, taking advantage when you're younger, you sh- you know, would be makes, makes oh, hell a yeah. lot of sense. Oh, um, just with investing too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good money principle right there. Yeah. Yeah. So when you started budgets are sexy, um, that was just something, like you said, it was like a personal passion project that you kind of wanted to start and, and share. Um, how did you come up with budgets are sexy as a name? <laughs> <laughs> so, so two things. Uh, uh, this is back when blog rolls were really, really like they're all over, like, you know, in the sidebar of blogs, like, oh, you can read all your fr- other bloggers out there. Right. And yeah. that's where I learned about other blogs, read one person's and I go see what they read. Uh, and it was always alphabetical. So like the trickster in me was like, oh, pick one, like closer to the top, like ABC. So that way it like you know, it gets mm. higher to the top. So, so B for budgets work. Um, and A, I didn't have a budget. So I was trying to teach myself too. Um, and then it was right around the t- time when uh, Justin Timberlake's I'm Bringing Sexy Back song came out. Um, <laughs> and I loved it. I, well, I still love it. Um, but I was like, oh yeah. And I was like joking, like I'm bringing budgets back. And I was like, oh, budgets <laughs> are sexy. Like this is perfect. You know? <laughs> that was um, the aha moment. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had savings sexy too, and that was like bought already and budgeting obviously would never be budgets are sexy would never be bought. So, <laughs> so yeah. now it is. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a, it's a great name and it's very like, it captures your attention. You're like, oh, what is, what is this about? And, and just, I don't know, it's a, uh, budgets are not sexy. So making it <laughs> sexy, yeah. you know, is, is kind of like eye catching. It's pretty, it's a good name for sure. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, and also too, like I realized too, and I think this is my tagline for a while, like budgets like basically give you confidence confidence right with like what you're doing with your money mm-hmm. and and confidence is is very sexy right like like sexy people are confident in themselves um so there is this tie and also like man like a lot of financial blogs like we all talk it's all the same stuff the, like how to save and invest and get out of debt it's all the same for thousands of years you know so we so our job is to make it interesting and to make it relatable to people so to kind of get them excited because normal people don't get excited by like numbers and and saving money right um so our job and your you know your job too as a podcaster right is to get this stuff interesting to people so that they actually take action you know mm-hmm. um so that was another kind of you know once i got going like it worked on so many different levels i thought yeah and and that's interesting that you mentioned that i went on a few episodes back i spoke to jl collins about that and he was talking about how he uh you know realizes that people that he talks to in general are not the same as him like he's (laughs) he's thinking you know why aren't all these people so excited to talk about money like i am (laughs) and then he kind of reflects and it's like wait a second i'm the weirdo i like to talk about money nobody else cares and um, right. <laughs> it's true it's like we're in this niche where everybody we all get excited about talking about money but a lot of people yeah. you got to really work on something to interest them and catch catch their attention or else they're going to move on to whatever's uh on the next you know slide or, or channel or whatever it is Dude. And, and that's the thing most yeah you don't really care until like you start caring you know it's like anything like like stop drinking or partying or smoking like you enjoy it so you do it and then when you actually care enough to change you go out of your way to like find the info and research mm-hmm. and so like hopefully when those people are doing that to our you know our medium we snag them while they're hot and then we, we hook them <laughs> you know? yeah yeah exactly but it's true most people don't care and they, i mean i get emails from people 60 70 80 years old that's like i'm just starting saving now and i'm like oh my gosh like wow like like we're blessed to have this epiphany early on in life those of us that do you know, because we could have gone our whole life without paying attention, you know, hopefully it was still a good life, but you know, obviously money can, can make it better if used right. So. Yep. Yep. And I, and I hear that a lot about people who wanted to start, including myself. I wish I would have started, you know, before I did. Um, but I think that it's, uh, that's what I think makes us so, you know, not to say me, but like anybody trying to, uh, produce this type of content, you know, I think it's valuable because as soon as you can hook them, the, the earlier, the better. And, yes. uh, you know, you might reach out to certain people. I might reach out to other subsets of people and so on and so forth. But eventually we can kind of like widen that, that net and, uh, yes. you know, catch them earlier. And Hey, if they don't want to do it, then that's fine. That's up to them. But they were exposed. And, and that initial, you know, when I was introduced to fire, I had no idea that, right. that it even existed. Um, yeah. And that's my answer to everyone who asks like, Oh, should I start a blog? Like there's so many blogs, like, like the timing is past, but let's not because everyone has their own voices 
and as if you click, if someone clicks with you, like they're only going to click with you, not like me or you or other people. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I, like so many people went to my, to my blog for years and still do, you know, and they click away, you have sexy in it. Like, no, they don't like that connotation. It's been blocked. I, I even like jobs block it because it has the word sexy in it. There's a lot of problems with putting sexy <laughs> things, by the way, <laughs> I don't necessarily recommend it. Um, you know, but it, there's people that it turns off right away and I had to be okay with that early on. And then they'll go to other which sites that I might think is boring, but it fits them more. And so, yeah, we need as much, as much help, you know, in the whole world, every day of new bloggers coming out and telling their stories and helping, you know, so. For sure. And, um, and yeah, perfect uh, transition. I wanted to get into that and, and ask if you had any advice for someone who wants to start their blog, um, you know, if, if they wanted to just do it for fun and they weren't looking for profitability, then, yep. then you know, I think it's pretty easy. You can just set up your blog and, and there's multiple resources for that and just have fun with it. Um, yes. But can it still be profitable? Would you recommend or see it? You know, is that still something that's... Yeah, um, I mean, it's, def- yeah, it's definitely doable. I will say two things. One, there's a lot more ways to make money faster than blogging. Like if you need money fast or within the next few months, like blogging, like unless you get lucky or you're an incredible storyteller or whatever, like it is very hard to make money fast in blogging. Um, you know, um, you know, but, but yes, it's doable. You know, like me, all, all these people, you know, make full-time careers off of it. You know, I've made hundreds, you know, yeah, hundreds of thousands. I think I've made over a million dollars just from blogging over the 10 years, just from, from that, you know, so there's lots of money in there. Um, you know, but I will say if, if you do go the blogging route, like I think your first, your first, uh, your tip there is the best, like to do it because you, you like it or you're excited or you want to learn or you want to share or you want to hold yourself accountable. Like for me, like I, I've never seen anyone and, and maybe they're just really good at hiding it, but I've never seen someone that said, I'm going to start a blog for money and then they succeed. If that's like your number one reason, like you almost always fail because it's so hard and, and you, you don't get through the hard parts of like the grind before you can actually make money. But mm-hmm. if you like, you know, love talking about money or you have ideas or you're looking for help or you're, you're sharing your, your story. Um, and you're like, Oh, if I made one money later on, that would be awesome. Like that to me is like the perfect attitude because that'll get you excited. You'll learn, you'll, you'll hold yourself accountable. And then when you start taking off a little bit or you get, you know, marketing deals, partnerships, you know, it excites you, gives you money and just feeds you to keep wanting to do more of like what the, what, where your heart is, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, so, and, and being in the, in the industry for years, I mean, in, you know, 12 years ago, people were making money, but like nine out of 10 blogs were mainly focused on, you know, blogging, like what a blog is now, you know, <laughs> a lot of these blogs over the years, they look like corporate websites. Hey, here's the best credit cards. Here's the best savings account. I'm like, oh shit, I just want to go to the blog. I just want to read your thoughts, you know, yeah. but the reading your thoughts doesn't make the money. You have to somehow like have something to convert or sell or to make money off of, right? Like blogs are free you know? And so when you start focusing on money, you're not going to be telling your story the same way you're going to be telling it in order to funnel people to give you money. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a very tricky, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I was never the greatest at it. Like out of like quote successful financial bloggers, I probably make the least out of everyone. Um, but my community was strong and I love that. You know, I've had, I've known people that had a great community, wasn't making money. Like, you know what, screw this. I need to make money. They completely change. They make, I don't know, 50,000 a month, but, they, but no one leaves comments. No one comment. Like there's no community anymore. 
right? Because mm-hmm. it's all now targeted for making money and most people, st- you know, getting high ranking in, in Google, you know, um, and all that, the, the SEO search kind of optimization stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's different strategies and, and, and they're all fine. I think it's just for you to figure out, am I in it for money only? If so, maybe there's other ways that I can make it better and faster. Or do I like this and it'd be a good experience and if I don't make money, that's fine. I enjoyed it. But if I do make money, now it's my perfect world. I think that's the sweet spot if, if, if it falls you know, for you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's very well put. And I appreciate, I, I heard that you, uh, I've heard from an, uh, various podcasts when, you, oh when you talk about your your blog that you were able to keep, uh, well, you ran some ads that I guess you weren't really, um, you know, proud of, or, or maybe okay. you kind of took a direction. Is that right? And then it was making you money. However, you kind of realized that that didn't align with what you really wanted for your blog. Um, so you had to like tune it down. And even though it was hard, so how do you balance that with, you know, make, trying yeah. to make money and monetize, but also you, you don't want to steer people in the wrong direction either. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great question and I think I still struggle with it and it's a hard one to figure out. Um, I don't know of any ads particularly like, like you're mentioning that I wasn't proud of, but I do remember, but I do remember there were times where I was like 50, 50 and I was like, I don't know if I should publish this, but like, I'd get like a thousand dollars if I did it, you know? And so like, there was times where like, if there was no money involved, I wouldn't have published it. But because like a thousand dollars was attached, especially early on in my career, like I did do it. Um, so you're right. It, there is like this weird balance that you're trying to, trying to do. Um, I will say over time, I realized for me, so there's, there's, we should take a step back. There's like a lot of ways to make money um, online, right? You got like display ads, which is like banners, you know, you click on and you get a couple pennies. Um, there's affiliate stuff where I'm like, oh, hey, I love using, you know, USCA, which is the bank that I use and I love, right? Oh, and if, if they have an affiliate program and I blog about it and you sign up, I get, you know, a couple dollars for, for recommending it, right? Um, and then there's, you know, there's a lot of offline ways where you can make money too. We're like, oh, hey, you have a good audience here. You're really good at personal finance. Do you want to come to our conference and speak? You know, I'll pay you for a speaking gig. Or do you want to write a book? You know, now you got a book deal. Um, so there's a lot of people that also, or, or do you want to freelance, write? You know, like, oh, I see, you, I love your stuff. You know, my company has a blog. We'll pay you 500 bucks, you know, a pop to write. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of different opportunities to make money online, um, you know, and then obviously create coming up with your own product. You know, let's say I come up with a, you know, budgets are sexy calculator, you know, and I sell it for five bucks on the website, right? So any products you make are super good ways because you made it, you, you know, it's awesome. You know, it matches your audience. So it's like a perfect synergy. Uh, speaking gigs, book deals, anything that comes off of the blog, also really good ways, you know, to make money because they're all natural um, and it doesn't get mixed up with your message, right? Mm-hmm. Where it starts getting, and, and display ads, as annoying they are, they are usually separate from your actual content. And I know now ads show up in content, um, but these are all ways where you can still be your voice, but you're still getting paid surroundings but you're not getting paid as much. Basically, the way most people make a crap ton of money is they write articles and they include all these affiliate links and ads and stuff within the article because that's where you're going and looking and that's where you're clicking. Um, you know, so a good way to do it again, hey, here, you know, I have 18 accounts with USAA. Here's why I like them. That's natural for me because I use that bank, right? And then I get paid. 
But now if I went and started talking about how much I love payday loans, right? Like that would be an extreme disconnect and my audience would get pissed. But people that convert, payday loans pay you a crap ton of money, right? Okay. Uh, there's so much money in that. So, so that would be like a bad way to do affiliate links, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. All this to say, there's like a million ways to make money. So you kind of have to decide, all right, I want to keep my voice intact if that's important. So now let me look at all the other ways I can, you know, harness this, um, you know, popularity or this, this community I have to still make money, but still continue spreading the word. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for clarifying uh, that point and, and putting it like that. It's, it's true. Just to tie it all together. I thought it was important that you said, um, you know, to keep the message on par with what you're going with because if somebody and and how you mentioned starting the blog from a place where it's something of a passion project because yeah. it's the temptation is there uh, i've even seen it where people will try to reach out to uh, pay for a blog post or something and yeah. um, you know the message that they want to put there to my audience is not what i want to talk about or what right. i think is important so but if you're trying to get that profitability you might say, Hey, I mean, I, I'm trying to monetize. This is the only way. Um, yes. but yeah, I think you've just laid out some great ways to monetize it and, and that'll actually work for people. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And there's fast ways and slow ways to make money too, right? Like the affiliate stuff and some other stuff takes a long time to build up. Whereas the, the quick, I'll give you a thousand dollars to talk about this is like the fast way. Right. Mm -hmm. And usually the fast ways aren't the good ways, but, <laughs> but sometimes you get lucky. I've had, I had someone pay me like, I think it was like $5,000 to write on a topic and include them what I would have naturally done for free. And I even oh told him, I was like, goodness. I would do this for free because I love you guys. And yeah, this is like perfect. So that's like, that was like a perfect match. Right. And you get lucky every now and then with that stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a great opportunity. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so now you're doing a little bit of like buying and selling blogs or maybe connecting people uh, yeah. that want to do that. Is that right? Um, yeah. So I sold the blog a couple months ago um, and the, the company that bought it is a company called um, it's the Motley Fool is the big company. And then they have a division called Soapbox. Um, okay. And so they bought it. And then part of my kind of package is I said, oh, I'll stay on and help consult with you um, when you're looking at other blogs. Um, but then, you know, they wanted to build like kind of a curation site. Um, I don't know if you ever around when Rockstar Finance was around. A yeah, few years ago. I, I've, um, I saw it, but uh, I don't know if it's active right now, right? Is no, no, it's not. Okay. No. So that was a, another, you know, once you build a project, you're like, oh, I'm successful. Let me try and build others. Mm -hmm. And then half of them fail. You know, <laughs> Rockstar Finance was the only other one I built that like actually was really good. Um, and it was good and I ended up selling that, but the, but the, 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 the concept of it was basically to share awesome articles from around the community, like a curation site. Mm -hmm. um, and so Soapbox is like, oh, we need to bring it back, right? Like now they're, you know, we don't have that in the community. We always love that. Um, and so I'm consulting with them to help bring back another um, site like that. Um, so that's what I'm doing, you know, for my quote, like, you know, half a day job thing. Um, and then, um, because I've been around a lot and because I started, you know, selling my sites and then, and then early on buying sites, um, a lot of people know that I buy and sell. And so now whenever someone's like, Oh, I want to buy a site or, Oh, I want to sell mine, you know, um, they come to me and I have a, a private email list and I kind of pass it around to people and try and make connections. Um, 
you know, so I kind of do that on the side um, and, and people like that. And then I get a commission if a deal goes through and if it doesn't, I don't get paid anything. Um, so I'm basically kind of like in this weird consulting world where I'm just doing like random projects here and there um, and then helping Soapbox out. Um, and it's fun for now, you know, again, it's a season. I don't know where I'll be this time next year, um, but that, that's the beauty of it. I know I have set aside, you know, 20 hours of work a week, right? So right. I can fill it with whatever I want. You know, if I do too much, I'm in trouble. And if I do too less, then hopefully I'm financially free. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. Well, yeah, you can only uh, do, you can't, hopefully you don't do too much. That's the bad part. Yeah, it is, Under- yeah. And as entrepreneurs, it's hard because again, you get excited, right? Like it was so hard for me. It mm-hmm. took me 12 years to be able to be okay with leaving something that I built. That was a, a like a fourth baby to me. Yeah. You know? Um, it's so much a part of you yeah so uh, it's interesting it's an interesting community online and and the nice thing I'll say too which most people probably know that like our financial world online is so positive and like there's hardly any backstabbing or hate you you do see it but compared to other industries it's super super positive and helpful which thank god you know yeah and I've noticed that too so that's part of why I love the fire community there's the people that you meet are genuine uh, you know, nice people um, yeah, that's who are trying awesome. to help. Um, and so I did have a couple, just last two follow-up questions on the blog. Oh, sure. um, as far as how do you value when you're putting these people, you know, or you're trying to connect or something, how do you even value a blog? What, what do you look at? Do you look at traffic or um, content? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of variables. Um, <clears throat> that go into it. Um, I usually say like the base, so it's kind of, um, business, I, I'm not a businessman like in other worlds, but from what people tell me, it's similar that usually you start out with like a valuation, like a, like a multiplier. So like mm-hmm. a typical site or a business, for example, might sell for three times yearly profit. Um, it's not income, you know, it's profit that includes, you know, all the expenses and income and you know, you're left with the profit, um, is three times that as a starting base. So if you make a thousand dollars a year profit, you know, then on average you can expect to sell that site for three thousand um, dollars. Then, then what happens? Then there's a whole bunch of variables that can push it up or down. Like how old the site of? If it's a brand new site, right? Like that's like maybe a little sketchy. Like like what's going on here? You, you want to you know you want something with more um, you know foundation under it. Versus you know if a site was around like Budget of Sexy was around for twelve years. Um, so that, that like satisfied that. So that would push the number up higher. Um, the content, if the content's quality, um, that pushes things up, um, how it's monetized. So going back to good and bad ways, if it's monetized, you know, by, by good affiliate links, um, or maybe there's products being sold on it. Um, you know, maybe there's some display ads or partnerships going on that, that fit well, then that's more long-term and that, that pushes the price up. If you're putting, you're taking any dollar that comes your way, you know, and so it looks like, oh, I'm making a thousand dollars a month, but like each one of them is like hurting your community and, and Google doesn't, you know, you're looking bad in Google's eyes, for example, um, Mm -hmm. then that would push it way down. Um, and then other things, you know, like how, you know, the, the search engine optimization SEO of it comes into play. Um, and at the end of the day, really what, what the buyer is looking to do so there are people that i know that love crappy sites like they love buying two three thousand dollar sites and then they just put more crap on it and they just milk it for all the money you know and then they shut it down whenever it dies 
right? Oh, and then there's okay. others that are like, no, no, I want just the best and I'm willing to pay top dollar because now I have, you know, a portfolio of three really good sites versus a hundred crappy ones, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so all of these kind of variables and then, and then, you know, also, Hey, if I like, so when I had my first blog, um, and then someone said, Oh, do you want to buy mine? You know, it's a business. Right. And I'm like, Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And I bought it. What I quickly realized was that I have double the marketing space now, right? I get people coming to me on budgets. Oh, I want to advertise. I say, Oh, great. By the way, I have this other site. Um, I'll give you a package deal. I'll give you 10% off if you advertise across both. Right. So you're automatically like doubling your opportunities. And then whatever comes in from the other site you buy, you do the same thing with your other site, right? Oh, and so when I figured that out early on, that's when I was like, oh, does anyone have you know, any blogs for sale, right? And so like, at one point I owned like 13 or 14 different blogs. <laughs> you know? Now they were all like little businesses on the side and they all had writers that I paid. The only one I ever blogged and was, was the face of was Budgets Are Sexy because that was my baby. Right. Mm-hmm. But the back scene, when I realized this was going on, that's what kind of kind of jump started my money making because the blog itself wasn't ever making at that point enough money for me to survive. But all of the activities I was doing online added up enough where I could survive off of that. Um, right, right. You know, and so and so when I was looking for blogs like, hey, of course, I wanted to get one that no one else knew was for sale because then you don't have anyone to bargain against, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if everyone knows and you're going to bidding more and all that kind of stuff, right? So that was like something I always looked for. And then how fast can I make my money back and, and, and place ads on it? Like some sites I would buy and within a month I knew I could have it paid off and then it would just be pure market, pure income. Um, others I knew would take like six months, but it, there were better sites, you know? Um, right, right. So all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of different variables, but for the most part, like an average, if you had to say something, you could say like two or three times your yearly profit gives you a good starting base of what that site was worth. Um, and just keeping in mind everything else because income is important because that's the whole point of business. But that, that income has to have that foundation that you're looking for or else it can explode, you know, the minute you buy it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's, that's the scary part about uh, buying a blog because it's not, it's just a bit different than buying a, any other investment yes. or, or real estate. Um, just got to, not a lot of people know how to wrap their head around the value of something like that. And um, so yes. by, and by subscribing to your email and, and um, kind of staying in the loop with that, not only do you connect them, but do you kind of consult and help them like tell them, <clears throat> this might be right for you or not, or is it just a strictly yeah. a connection thing for you? Um, so it starts out mainly connection, but a lot of new people on the list that are like, are looking to buy their first, they'll ask a whole bunch of questions and I'll, I'll help guide them uh, for sure. Um, and then sometimes if a site comes on the market, I'm like, Oh, I know who this, like, I'm going to send it to these two people first, you know, and kind of give them a sneak peek of it because I think it's like a good fit. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'll do that. And then if that doesn't work out, then send it to the list. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm open for everything. And, you know, I kind of, it's one of those things too, where I don't go out of my way to say I'll help because like the smart people will ask for the help. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The people that you, if you know what you're doing, then obviously you don't need help. Um, but it's, a, it's a good test, especially for the new people. Um, I love it when people ask because I know that they're serious and they're not just going to buy something without knowing what they're doing. Um, so it's an interesting, you know, uh, thing. And I should go back to, so, and this, this 
this is why when you put your personality, like budgets are sexy, right? It's very personality driven. Having sexy in there changes it. And the whole time, I had guest writers every now and then, but it was mainly me, Jay Money. I was the voice. Mm-hmm. So when you sell, you know, I, I got paid to stay on as a freelancer to keep writing for, for I don't know, I think seven or eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens when you walk away, when there's no J money, what happens to that site if everything's built on J money, right? Right, right? And so that even changes how you buy sites or build sites. If you have freelance writers and you couldn't tell who's who because they all write generically, then those are perfect for business flopping because you can swap in anyone you want there and no one knows the difference, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you have a J money site and then J money walks away, <laughs> like, okay, like, <laughs> like odds are it's going to go down, not up, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Everybody's going to be asking, where's J money at? Yeah. And so part, so even for selling budgets, I had so many offers over the years, but none of it made sense because like, I didn't think like if I sold that they would do a good job or like I had a feeling it would just crash and burn. And then also everyone devalued my site because like I'm there and when I'm not there, it's different. Right. And so, and that goes, you know, so when I came across, you know, this deal with, with Molly fool and Hey, and I believed in them and I was like, well, I'll stick around and help transition the best I could. And that gave us time to find someone that I thought would be a good replacement for me. Um, You know, so far, like, and we're only a couple months into it, but the site is doing relatively well. Um, and it's really rare to, to sell a site and that site to become better, at least blog wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a better business and make more money if you change things. But it's usually when you sell a site and the leader walks away, like it's really hard. Um, and so if you're a buyer, then I would say, yeah, be, if, you had a, if you were buying a blog that was very based on a personality and that personality is leaving, then that is a big red flag and you have to value it, what you're comfortable with and know what you're going to do like to replace, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, right. So, so that's another kind of risk reward thing that you have to play around with when, when you're thinking of this stuff. Yeah. And, and um, it kind of worked perfectly for you. I think you got best of both worlds, right? Where you were able to kind of uh, spend more time with your family, um, yes. but you can also now still uh, post and write whatever you want to write and, and just enjoy yes. that part too. So that's good. Yeah. And you know, when you're doing a deal, when you're selling, um, there's no, so what's interesting for me with all this, there's no rules like online. It's all like the wild west. Like I could have <laughs> sold my blog for a dollar or $10 million. There's no rules, right? It's That's just whatever crazy. someone is crazy. There, and there's legal kind of stuff, you know, but not, but not, not really. And so it's just interesting that like you can ask for anything. So when I sold the blog, what was important to me and I was going to stay on to write was I want to write about whatever I want to write about right? Like, I don't want you to tell me since you now own it in theory, you could tell me to write about payday loans and I have to, mm-hmm. right? So like I, I, I made, I, I made like this whole like drama queen list, right? Like this, I call it this diva list where like, <laughs> here's like 10 things I'm not going to do, right? I'm not, I'm not going to work nights. I'm not going to work weekends. I'm going to write whatever I want to write. I'm going to keep budgets or sexy Twitter handle because that's my only communication. And that's like more personal, right? That yeah. most people would say no way in hell, right? Um, and then non-compete, right? And Molly Fool is, is crazy awesome. They, they, don't, they didn't give me a non-compete. They said that they didn't believe in it. You know, and they said, hey, if you go ahead and build another site, that's great. Like, we'll buy that site if it takes off, right? Like that kind of mentality, like as long as I'm getting my stuff done. Um, so the non-compete is another thing too. You know, if you sell your blog and you can't start another blog for three years, 
right? That might be troublesome, right? Right, um, right. So anyways, yeah, yeah. So oh, that was the point that you can dictate what you want. They can say no, but, I, but I've learned that just ask for what you want because at least like they know what it is and maybe they'll say, oh yeah, no non-compete, but I'm going to take off like $10,000 from the purchase price or something, right? They can negotiate back and, mm-hmm. then, and then you can go back and forth, right? But at least you're, you're trying to set up your perfect world. Yeah. And, and that's, that's awesome that it worked out that way. And, um, and like you, you were in a position of power, you could have kept it, you could have sold it, you could have done whatever you wanted with it. And you were in your full right to just ask for whatever you wanted. And if they didn't comply, you could have just said no. Yes. And I'll say too quickly that I, I had a a two years prior to that, I had an offer that I said no on. Then I said, yes. Then I said no again, because like over the course of three months. Um, and what I realized now looking back was like, I was in a position of weakness then because I needed money. Uh, because like I having kids, my wife stopped working and everything was on my blog income and I stopped hustling. And so when I stopped hustling, my income went down, right? Which is mm-hmm. ironic because I blog about money. It was, it was a conscious choice, but I became like uh, desperate. And not desperate where I would go and do something crazy, but I was like, man, if I just sold now, I can make a ton of money and then I don't have to worry about it anymore, right? So I said yes, then I changed my mind. um, And then I waited for when like the timing was right. And so you're right, like I wasn't desperate when I was at this stage because now I don't need the money anymore. Now it's just like to improve it, you know, by a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does, total sense. And um I think it worked out perfectly for you. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear it. Um, you know, thank it you. was perfect timing. Yeah, thank you. We'll be back with more right after a quick message from our sponsor. If this episode has inspired you to start your own blog, I recommend Name Hero as your hosting company. They offer high-speed hosting at an affordable rate. All packages come optimized for WordPress. And if you ask any blogger, they will tell you that something will inevitably go wrong building a new site. What I love about Name Hero is their customer service. They are always there to help. After a while, you'll realize it's just better to call Name Hero's customer service so they can walk you through the fix in seconds instead of trying to fix it yourself for hours. Trust me, I had that issue. They strive for exceptional customer service 24-7, 365. So go ahead and start your own blog by using the link in the show notes below for 60% off. That means you can start your own blog for only $3.58 a month. Again, Name Hero is the fastest and most affordable hosting company that I found, and they have great customer service. And now, back to the show. Not to transition too much, but just the, the tracking the net worth. I know that you were big on doing that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of love that because it kind of, without measuring your success, you don't really know where you're going sometimes. Um, so yes. can you... Tell us a little bit more about that. Like, how do you track your net worth? Do you include your home loans uh, and, and things like that? Yeah. Loans into that? So, um, so the reason I started when I, that very first blog, I came across two first blogs, the simpledollar.com, which is still around, um, and mymoneyblog.com, which is also still around. Mymoneyblog.com, uh, Jonathan, every month posted his net worth. Uh, and that was the very first time I'd ever seen that. Um, and every month he'd update it. So you can tell right away, you know, that he, he was doing good with money because you saw his numbers change over time. Right. And I'm sure there's times where it went down and he did something stupid and blogged about it, but it was like real life snapshot. 
And so that a got me to track it before I even had my own blog. I was like, Oh yeah. Like that makes sense. Right. Like, see, like you gotta know where everything is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, duh. Um, and it was fun because you can create your, so like you, you, the, you know, you have two sides, you have the asset side and then you have the liability side. The asset side are things like, you know, savings account, checking account, um, investments, real estate, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Liabilities are like all the debts, like your, ho- your, lo- your home loans, your student loans, you know, your credit card debt. Um, that, that's basically in a nutshell, right? And then you, you subtract all your debts from all your assets and whatever that number is, is your net worth. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a whole, you can have whole podcast shows on every one of these like juicy topics, you know, does your home go in there? You know, does your home loan go in there? Does it not? Um, do cars go in there? Cause they're valuable. Um, so some people will then create separate like versions of their net worth, you know, like a liquidity net worth. Like if I had to just take out all my cash today, like how much would that be? Right. And what could you sell fast? So your home couldn't be in there because that would take you like weeks to sell right? So your home in that, that case doesn't go in there. Um, you know, there's other things like I have a coin collection. I'm a coin collector, right? Does that go in there? Like in theory, I can sell it, but at the same time, like what would it go for? How long would it take? You know, so there's all these weird variables. So my general rule is just like track whatever makes sense to you. And then over the years you can adapt. Like I had things in there early on. Like I probably even put my jewelry. I used to have diamond earrings, um, diamond nose ring, like that kind of stuff that I probably put in there. Uh, and looking back, I'm like, well, no, I wouldn't put that in there now. But at the time that made sense to me. Right. And it was also kind of fun. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, so I say put whatever makes sense to you. And then over the years, adjust it. Um, but tracking that number for me, for my personal finances was by far like the number one thing I ever did because every month I knew, cause you know, you lie to yourself, you think you're doing good or you think you're saving None of that matters. Like you have to actually look at the stats and if the numbers are telling you something different, they usually don't lie, you know, like that, that's what it is. Um, and so having that number like, okay, it's like $20,000 increased net worth. Awesome. Like I know where I'm at. I know next month where I'm going to be. And you can tell too, like the more money you have, a lot of stuff goes, like if you're invested in the stock market, mm-hmm. the, a lot of it's out of your control. So you can see a big negative number, but at least, you know, like you're still on, you're still doing what you can do. And that, that's just the side effects of where you're invested, um, you know, but a very, very good thing. And, and eventually I just stopped budgeting altogether and I just did my net worth. And that was enough for me to keep my money in check because that was the number that I, that I cared about the most. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, it's interesting, all the different variations of net worth that you can end up getting caught in, but you're right. Just ending up with uh, total assets, total liabilities, and then just subtracting them and just, seeing what that number is can be eye-opening for a lot of people. Yeah. And once you do it once every month, it's simple because you just log into your accounts and copy and paste the numbers and put it in there and you're done. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's really easy from that point. And then that's when, you know, if you want to get, you know, crazy and start tweaking stuff. Um, like even, even I had a hard time with like my blog, like I could value the blog, but if I put that in the net worth, like it, it just looks, it just felt silly, you know? Uh, <laughs> I was going to so, ask, yeah. What did you do with the blog? <laughs> yeah, and it would have changed over the time too. In the beginning, it only worked worth like $10, you know? <laughs> um, so, what, so what my kind of mantra was, was that like I knew at some point if I sold, that would affect my net worth, right? So the way I look at it is like my net worth is like what's real today and then tomorrow what's real then when I go to update it. So like 
before I sold my blog, it was the number. I sold my blog, I got cash, and the cash went into the savings account, and then my net worth went up that month, right? So it, it, it all still affects your net worth just at different timing. So had I had it there from the beginning, it would have been that exciting when I sold my blog because it just would have like matched the number, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It just would have changed, yeah. you know? Um, so, so I just, you know, and it's like, you know, inheritance or even, even my coin collection, right? I, it's not in my net worth, but if I ever sell it and make a few thousand dollars, then, that, then that's when it affects my net worth. Um, you know, the, the trickier ones are things like pensions and things like, like, like cash flow. Um, people get cash flow confused with net worth too. Net worth are just like the, the, the money, you know, today, what you have. If someone pays you, you know, $5,000 every month for the rest of your life, that does affect your net worth. But how do you translate that into a value? You know what I'm saying? Like it gets tricky and some mm-hmm. people do it and some people don't, but yeah, lots of, lots of, I mean, if you're a nerd about it, you can spend days on it. Well, yeah, we're money nerds. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think uh, you definitely hit the important parts there, which is track it. And, um, you know, it's important to just keep monitoring it. I mean, especially yes. for, with all the accounts that we, you know, everyone has, um, oh my gosh. you know, if something changes, God forbid, there's like fraudulent activities monitoring your your net worth might be the one of the first places that you you notice like what happened that's here? right that's right yeah no you're totally oh. right and then there's also an app i believe that you worked with before or you recommended it previously which is called digit right oh yeah 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 i love can, digit yeah can you talk about that because i think that's another tool that people might be able to use that would help them manage their money. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of apps. Um, and really like when you kind of have to figure out your personality, uh, you can manually do it with pen and paper. You can use a spreadsheet and manually do it, or you can hook it up, you know, to mint or some of these, you know, budgeting apps that will automate it for you. Um, and there's pros and cons to each, right? If you manually do it, you're more conscious about it, but you might forget, right? If you automate it, the data might there, but you might not like pay as much attention to it. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's there in the background, so you, you don't give it its, its due. Um, at any rate, um, there's lots of apps that help you with that. Um, I think it was, I don't know, five or six years ago now, um, before any of this was happening, Digit came out and a friend of mine introduced me to the founder. Um, and I, you know, I do consulting for, for FinTech stuff. Um, and we got to talking and basically the product in a nutshell was like, just connect it up. And every day our little robots will look at your accounts and figure out how much money that we can save for you that you won't notice. And we'll just, and we'll not, and, and I thought they were going to say, we'll just tell you what it is and then you go move it. Right. Like, Oh, it looks like you can save $10. Why don't you go save $10? That's what most apps would do if, if they existed back then this way. But they took it a step further. and was like, we're going to physically push the money out of your account into a <laughs> savings account. That way, like you, you could, once you hooked up, and if you just left it alone, we'll just literally save for you, right? Yeah. And then, you know, and, and so that, I, that was so crazy to me and so interesting. Like me as a money guy, like I don't need that app because I'm already saving every month, right? But to the average person that wants to save and doesn't know or, or tries to and then forgets, you know, like it, was like it was like a perfect marriage because they will just send, you know, and it would be like random numbers like, oh, $5.50 we just took out of your checking account. Oh, $17.30 we just took out of your checking account, right? It's really crazy. And of course you have to be comfortable with, you know, a little robots going in there and moving money around, right? Mm-hmm. And you can always, you can always cash out anytime. Like, like there's no crazy like gotchas, right? Um, 
but the, but the vision and I haven't, so I, I was a, um, an advisor to them early on to get them connected to the personal finance world. Um, and so after the first couple of years, I haven't really done much uh, consulting for them. So I'm not sure exactly where they are right now. Um, but this idea where a robot can take a lot of the, the hard, the pain points of your life and do it for you in a good way was like very, very interesting. Um, Cause you can imagine if you can do that with saving, right? And why can't, maybe you could do that with investing. And now all these apps are out there that now will help you automatically invest, right? Um, right, right. what if they did it with debt? What if, what if there's just one robot going in there and like, I'm going to put this to savings and then I'm going to move it from savings to pay off your credit card debt and your home loan and all these other things. And then whatever's remaining, I'm going to invest for you all while you're like living your life. Right. I In mean, theory, it's really cool. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably where we're going. Right. And even like, like going back to USA that I use, right? Like a couple of years ago, they came up with their own, I'll automatically save money for you. I'm like, oh, I wonder where you got that from, you know? <laughs> like, like Digit was the leader. And then of course, all the, you know, the copycats come out and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. But so there's, and you know, and I've been pitched all kinds of apps over the years and 99% of them, I'm like, nope, nope. Like don't, you know, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, and Digit, you know, so they were free. Then they started charging like $2 a month or $3 a month. And all the financial bloggers, oh, they suck. What a ripoff, $3 a month. It's like, dude, but you just saved like $800 this month and you can't pay $3? Right. You know, like you got to put things in perspective here. Yeah, that little (laughs) robot's working hard. (laughs) Yeah, and obviously Digit isn't for money nerds. Like we already know how to do this. So of course, like we're not the target, you know. But the average person to pay $3 and save just $80 a month. Like anyone I know would sign up for that deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's the beauty with technology these days is you have so many options. You know, you can do it manually. You can set it up with apps, right? Uh, you know, Robinhood is hot right now. It's so easy to invest or save, whereas before there was more like paperwork and annoying things to do, mm-hmm. right? Like now anyone can do it anytime, which is, which is beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, concept is so powerful. It's kind of like forced scarcity in a sense where it's like yeah you just take it away from from yourself and uh it's out of sight out of mind and you kind of forget that you even had it where if you waited to the end of the month it's like you're gonna find something to to spend that money on and you know so yeah that's pretty crazy to me how that works you know and you can apply to other things so like something that i stuck with that i'm gradually over the years getting better is charity um, like I just, for some, like I'll help, I'll give you hours of my time and I'll help you. But when it comes to money, there's still like that one little thing in my head that I have to be better about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I started applying the same, like, if you start thinking like, oh, this month I have to give, right. And then you go through that mental process of trying to convince yourself to do it and then find the charity and all this stuff. Right. Like it's really hard. But what I realized like, A, I want to give more. And then when I find a company I love, like I naturally want to hurry up and give spur of the moment. And so what I do now is I always, as soon as there's something I love, I give real quick before I can convince myself not to. And then I take it a step further and I make it monthly automatic. Um, and I always do $20. Um, and so I think I have 10 or 11 or 12 companies now or organizations. They're usually like small, smaller ones. I sign up and I give $20 a month and then I don't have to think about it. And every month, it automatically happens because it's outside of my emotional control and I, it makes me happy. So I get emails. Oh, you gave $20 today. Oh, you gave $20 today. And it's all like positive reinforcement. 
Whereas if every month I had to sit down to give, like I'd probably convince myself not to over time, you know? It's so strange, right? Yeah, uh, it's the strange. behavioral aspect of personal finance is, is interesting, definitely. It is. So but you that's, can use it to all kinds of angles. That's awesome that, that you do that. And that's like the big part of, uh, you know, just to end everything is that, you know, in a way it's like, in the end, what it's all worth is what do you work so hard for? Yeah, it's for your own happiness, but man, giving back also feels so great. Um, there's just some, some, some satisfaction that you can't get anyway else. You're right on um, that, man. Well, Jay Money, thank you so much for, for joining the show today. It's a pleasure and it's always a blast uh, talking to you and, and, you know, talking about money. So Thanks, is, is there any other projects, uh, anything that you want to just end with? Yeah, I, I would say um, I have a couple of things. Uh, if you go to jmoney.biz, just the letter J, money, then dot B-I-Z, jmoney.biz, that's kind of like my resume and it talks about all the projects that I'm working on and stuff. If you ever want to email me or anyone that's listening to the show, I'm happy to talk to you. Um, um, so that's where you can go for, for in general. But the two things I'm doing, so um, the curation site that's going to come out any week now is called soapbox.com. Um, and you can check that out if you're interested. And then um, this is going to sound weird and crazy. Uh, but since I'm a lover of coins, uh, another side hustle slash passion project of mine is, is helping people when they have collections they no longer want. I'll help them sell it and, and liquidate for them. And I usually pass it to my own friends and my own coin club and stuff. Um, so the coins go to people that appreciate them. Um, but a ton of people I know when they find out I'm a coin collector, it's like, oh, I've got these coins and they just sit here taking it dust. I don't care. I'd rather use the money to pay off debt or to student loans or whatever, you know. Um, so they email me and they'll ship me a coins and I'll inventory it and value them for them and tell them what they're worth and then what they can probably expect to get if they were trying to sell. Um, and some people are like, great, that's it. That's all I want. And I ship the coins back. Other times they're like, get rid of them. I don't want them anymore. Just give me money, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll help them do that. Uh, so if anyone has a coin collection they no longer want, I'm happy to evaluate and or um, help sell them for you. Really cool. Really cool. Um, yeah. So I'm going to put a lot of that in the show notes and have the audience check it out because I think those are great resources and I'm excited for, cool. for all that coming up. Um, thanks, well, dude. Jay Money, thank you for joining the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So that was a fantastic conversation with Jay Money. If you guys are interested in some of the things that we discussed, like tracking your net worth, I use personal capital and there is a link in the show notes. It is an affiliate link. However, I do believe in them and that's exactly how I track my net worth. So you can use that link if you'd like to support the show. Other ways you can support the show is by subscribing and leaving a review. And you can also share this episode with some of your friends and family who might be interested in personal finance or financial independence. So thank you guys so much for listening and I hope you guys have a great week.